Welcome to the Creating Your Best Self podcast. We're your hosts, David N. Johnson. And I'm T. LaVon Lawrence. The Creating Your Best Self podcast is all about personal change. It's about creating the very best version of yourself so that you can help others achieve the same. It's about living your life with intent, gratitude, and a deep level of self-worth and happiness. During last week's episode, David and I spoke about authenticity and how to live your life in such a way that your outward expression of self matches who you are on the inside. While we were putting that last episode together, the question came up, how do you know who you really are? We decided that we would devote a whole episode to the topic, and if you're having an identity struggle or working through how to define or redefine who you really are, then this show is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome back. So I'm going to start today's episode off with a quote. If you listen to the last couple episodes, you know I like them, so I'm going to keep using them. Right? The quote is by <laughs> Alex Ebert. It is, to be lost is as legitimate a part of your process as being found. Wow, that's deep. It is. Think about it. To be lost is legitimate as the process of actually being found. So to be found, you have to first be lost. So I thought it was, I thought it was interesting to, uh, to bring it up here. So uh, let's get into it. So uh, psychologist uh, James Marcia talks about two primary identity statuses, right? Uh, first is exploration, the second is commitment. Exploration involves experimenting to different ideas, uh, while commitment involves making decisions on those ideas. Ah. Now that gives us two things to think about, right? So exploring the different ideas around who we are, and then making decisions on those ideas to see if they fit, right? Yeah. So finding yourself isn't always easy, uh, especially when you look at how your current identity was formed. Now, during our adolescence, it's our interactions with our caretakers that help form our identities. And as we grow, interactions with our caretakers, uh, other adults, and our peers contribute to our sense of self. Now, typically, kids who are raised in a supportive environment have a healthy sense of self, while kids who are subject to overparenting, uh, neglect, or, or maybe even abuse may struggle to find their own identities. Yeah. So going back to uh, James Marcia, um, he developed a structure to help us understand our identity statuses uh, during psychological development. Now, while I understand that most of the people that are listening to this podcast aren't adolescents, yeah. uh, which maybe won't be too bad, right? But um, it allows us the ability to better understand what you may be going through now. But before I get into them, I think it's probably important to note that, that these aren't stages. I mean, I'm going to list four different ones of them, but they aren't stages. They, they really aren't sequential. Um, and keep that in mind when I kind of go over them because I think you kind of understand that these are statuses and as we grow, as we get older, as we move on in life, we will jump around from one of these different statuses to the next. Um, so the first one, and by first one I mean just the first one I'm bringing up, is called identity diffusion. Um, basic identity diffusion means you have no sense of choice. This happens typically when you're very, very young and you don't realize uh, that you have a choice to make. So you don't really make any commitments towards your own identity. The second is identity foreclosure. This is when you're willing to make commitments towards roles, values, or even goals for your future, but you tend to conform to what your caretakers or what the expectations of others are, and you really haven't explored a range of other options yet. Right? Uh, basically, you are who others say you are. Then you go into identity uh, moratorium, which this is kind of the state of identity crisis. And in this point, this part, I don't want you to think crisis as being something bad, but this is kind of where in adolescence where you're typically exploring uh, your various commitments and you're ready to make a choice around those commitments, but you really haven't yet committed. Uh, and the fourth one is identity achievement. Um, and this, this, you know, this status is when you've gone through the crisis and you have made a commitment toward your sense of identity, right? right? So diffusion, foreclosure, moratorium, and achievement. Those four are really important when we're talking about identity and start thinking about how you become who you are and kind of knowing what status you're currently in. Because like I said, these change, these shuffle as you get older, as your values change. And we're going to talk more about that in a bit. So I feel these are really, really important to understand because while you may no longer be an adolescent, um, you know, many of us are either stuck in identity foreclosure, which is 
we're still conforming to what others expect of us, ah. or we're in an identity moratorium where we are fighting against those expectations, but have yet to commit to an identity of our own. Ah. Right. So both of these, as you can imagine, leave, a, leave us vulnerable to the machinations of others. Right. In fact, this leads us to a herd, any herd. Yeah. It leaves us susceptible because we become so wrapped up in the idea of fitting in that we grab hold of the first thing that resembles part of what we think we may be or who we think we may be. So our identities at that point tend to come from the tribe that we're part of. And being part of something makes us feel secure. Even if we don't fully agree with the sentiment of the group that we identify with, this this is just human nature, right? Yeah. We need to belong. Even if this means that we don't agree with the group 100%, our desire to, to belong is stronger than our desire to disagree with the group for fear of being cast out, right? So I think that that's something that's really important and is really some of the dangers of being part of a herd or being part of a group or identifying with a group that maybe you find out that, hey, I feel this part, I agree with this part, this must be who I am. Then you go in and then your mentality is reflected by what the group thinks, not yeah. necessarily what you think about your about yourself. Yeah. So again, I'm going to say it again. Our desire to belong is stronger than our desire to disagree with the group uh, for fear of being cast out. So the very idea of being cast out of the group that we identify with uh, will cause us not to speak up. Yeah. Right? Think yeah. about it. We'll so, be afraid. Absolutely. Because we don't want to be cast out. I mean... And I've been a part of, of numerous groups like that too. You right. Know? Yeah. So we don't want to be cast out because... So this will make us kind of do things that we usually wouldn't because we're f scared because we don't yep. want to cast out and if not physically then just mentally right yep so this so-called her mentality is a powerful powerful motivator um and you, you're stuck in one of those two uh those one of the two statuses foreclosure a moratorium you're you're really ex uh, susceptible to the herd mentality right so the reason is is because we want to be accepted we yep. want to be accepted more than what our voices are heard and this this yep. they're kind of like the paradox if you think about it so we fight to be part of the group. We even pull back on our individuality so that we can belong. Yeah. Right? So subconsciously, we kind of understand that to make the group work, we must quiet the parts of us that don't coincide with that of the group. This forces us to remove those little scraggly bits that make us unique so that we better fit in with the whole. Right. Yeah. And so this is an important part of discussing about identity because it leads us astray. It leads us to become, you know, something that, that we're not. And I don't want you to think that being part of a group is inherently wrong. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what is a bad thing is not being 100% you. Exactly. Depression exactly. comes from playing a role. It comes from not being 100% authentic to your true self. If you become okay with being subservient to the ideas of the group, if it goes against your core beliefs, then you lose a part of yourself in the process, which is, quite frankly, it's sad. And it's not like you have much of a choice because the group will demand always that you obey. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know, I was debating whether to say this. Say this is a, I'm going to go ahead and say it, though. This is, this is not a political podcast, nor will it ever be. But I think that's the problem with the two sides in this country. Yeah. You have the left. You have the right. They, they, they push themselves so far away from the center because they want to be nothing like the other side that I think that we've lost who we are as yeah. individuals for what the group thinks that we should be. And I've been on both sides of the political spectrum in the United States. And I can tell you, both sides are blind as a bat, yet they are exactly the same and don't even realize it. Very yeah. true. So, um, if we make off, I don't want to get off on a tangent here. Uh, and you know what? Maybe we didn't. But while the process of identity may begin in childhood, it is influenced by a number of factors, right? So in individuation, uh, this is where, you know, this is kind of what we'll be discussing more in detail in this episode. Uh, and this is the process that we go through to develop our own identities. Yeah. Another one that influences us are society, right? So social mm -hmm. influences, you know, not unlike the herd mentality that I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, play an important role in our identities from culture to media, to social media, to gender, to religion, they affect ultimately who we become. And you may even feel pressure to change parts of yourself to fit with the social norm. Um, and another one is family, right? So 
while your caretakers growing up had a huge impact on um, on you, your family will continue to play an important role in shaping who you are, for better or worse. Your relationship with your loved ones will affect you whether or uh, will affect whether or not you have a strong um, or a weak sense of self. Uh, so, T, I, you know what? I, I think I probably rambled on enough here, but I hope it gives our listeners enough preamble to understand how identity is formed. So, what does it feel like to be lost? Well, David, I've been there. And we suffer what I call the Jason Bourne effect. Now, um, some of you may not have seen the movie. Of course, I've seen them all. Uh, Jason Bourne was a character uh, who was basically a special forces uh, undercover operator for a secret government agency. And he wakes up one day on a bench and has no idea who he is. And he spends the movie trying to figure himself out and discover what he's able to do. Well, uh, waking up each day with a gnawing sense of not knowing what to do with yourself because you have no idea what you're really made of as a human being, well, it kind of stinks. It leaves you lost. Uh, this void causes and invites all manner of dangerous opportunities from self-serving influences to step into the gap and influence and control you. Yes. Now, this feeling may not be like being a ship with no rudder. Instead, it may feel like nervously waiting for somebody else to grab your rudder and point you in a direction, any direction. Um, it's the same as giving control over your life and destiny to somebody else. Now, some of the aspects of this is you may have a poor sense of identity, a certain murkiness of who you really are. And it's the result of having too many options without making a clear decision. Uh, you become a psychological shapeshifter who changes appearance to match the moment and the situation you're in and the people you're around. Now, here's the thing. You can be certain you're suffering the Jason Bourne effect when you switch identities from moment to moment, depending on the situation and the company you keep. One moment you feel and believe and express one way and you shift to an entirely different way an hour later while keeping different company. The social influences you encounter throughout the day activate various elements of competing identities provided by the many herds that battle to dominate your attention and feed off, one, your life energy and vitality, two, your time, which is the most precious resource in life, three, your financial resources, and four, your ability to influence other people in order to spread the herd's message. Now, another aspect of it is you don't really know your place in the world or how you fit in. Uh, you struggle to envision what the future looks like. You have no specific destination in mind or where you want to go in life. Uh, you have no map, no roads to travel. You have no chance, therefore, because you can take no definite action to craft your future. One of the other aspects of having a weak or shaky, murky identity is that you don't feel engaged with others or life in general. You know this is a problem when you go through the motions without genuine passion or excitement. You spend your day struggling to make other people happy just to stay in the herd. You get to the end of each day with no sense of worthy accomplishment in anything, your relationship, your career, your spirituality, or your health. You receive no lasting satisfaction in your effort to please your adopted herds because deep down inside, you know that no herd you join really cares about you. In your heart of hearts, you know that if you were to step out of line and to think for yourself, every herd you cling to would turn and attack you for being different. The problem with trying to get a sense of identity and personal satisfaction by joining a herd is that any connection you feel will only last as long as it takes for you to disappoint someone or to be disappointed. Wow. Herd connections are always shaky at best. Now. It's not something you want to feel hurt or betrayed over because it's just human nature and something that every one of us is guilty of, which is turning over to the herd that which only you can satisfy. And one other aspect uh, of having a murky identity and shaky sense of self is that you feel disconnected with the world at large. The experience of connection happens within yourself, within your own physical body alone and you must connect with that because it is a feeling you can never really get it from somebody else even though you may get agreement for other from other people you may get acceptance from other people when it comes to connection you have to it because it only occurs within yourself 
you have to be able to, to work with that so that you can, well, basically at will choose your identity and then find a way to feel connected with that. And like most things in life, discovering who you are is a journey. Uh, the concept of finding yourself is an abstract one. So what does it really mean? In short, it means the reverse of what I just listed out. It means that if you have a poor sense of identity, a murky sense of self, then you should put in the work to define it. After all, what could possibly be more important than deciding for certain who you are, uh, or who you want to be, what you want to do, and what you want to have in your life? Uh, if you don't know your place in the world, you want to seek it out, but not be told. Instead, you want to discover, to discover and excavate from within yourself that sense of identity, that, that literally, that answer to the question of who am I? Now, most of us in this kind of situation make the rookie mistake of reaching for a herd, but you have to choose your herds with care because nobody in the herd knows anything about anything except the herd. In other words, you decide what your place will be, and it may not be with the herd. Uh, if you're having issues with envisioning your future, put in time required to truly see it. If you're not engaged with life, start to lean in, but lean in above and beyond yourself, not with your average herd members. Your best self always exists outside your comfort zone. And if you're feeling disconnected with life and others, learn how to connect, but authentically, not as a play actor filling in an expected role. Uh, this is the time to go into any and every situation as yourself, not to please anybody else. Don't be a people pleaser. Find your genuine passion and joy and let that be your calling card. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. Man, well, I'll tell you what, as, I'm, as I was going down the list, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I need to take that advice myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all do. You know, I think, you know, I've, I've, said, it, I've said it before. I think I said it in a previous episode mm. that, you know, I blog for myself because the uh -huh. things that I need to work on, I've kind of used it as a, as a public journal of my journey that I'm going through life and some things that I have to remember. And so the podcast is just an extension of the same thing. Exactly. We talk about the things that we're currently working on, yeah. which incidentally I think is important to pause for a second before we continue. Um, and maybe we should even have a podcast about why we're doing the podcast, but <laughs> the, whole, you know, the whole reason about creating your best self podcast is to understand that it's not about discovering who you are. It's about creating the person who you are to become. Exactly. And so it's about taking time to understand who you are so that you can change and become the person who you want to be to achieve any success, whatever that happens to look like in the future, mm. right? So yeah. this whole identity thing that we talked about last yeah. episode about living authentically yeah. probably should have came after this episode, <laughs> which is fine. So if mm. you've listened to this episode and haven't listened to the previous one, you know what? Finish listening to this one. And go listen to episode number 10 because that's probably the real order. Yeah, it's, it's like bookends. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, so finding yourself means that you can finally stop doubting yourself at every turn, that you can finally rely on your intuition and let it guide you forward. Now, again, we talked about intuition in the last episode. Dude, there's so, no greater relief than being your own guide. Absolutely, right? So when you learn to embrace who you really are, Mm -hmm. Once you're able to accept yourself as a person, rather than denying it, you mm -hmm. open yourself up to the ability to grow and make changes. However, if you keep denying who you are or stay disconnected from yourself, others, and in your future, following the herd, yeah, yeah. then you'll never be able to get the things in life that you really want. Exactly. Too many times we settle for less because it's easier to stay lost than it is to look inward, understand the murkiness of our inner self. We're scared of what we'll find because we're worried that we won't like what we see, yep. right? So, so a lot of times we, we grow up, we see things that we want in life. We have certain things that we want or certain stuff that we want to achieve, whatever it happens to be. We look at it, we start going through life and realizing, man, I don't have what it takes to become to, to become the person that can achieve these sorts of things. So we I've grab that those bar, thoughts. we grab that bar, we mm. lower it down, and then we just, we decide, okay, well, I don't have what it takes. Or we know that we do, but we don't want to kind of dig in and put in the work and the effort to understand our identity so that we can change that identity or we can change, you know, who we are to match what we want to become. You know, what's crazy is if, if, if 
the act of even facing that question and discovering who you really are, um, it, the, the end result should be that you automatically move toward improvement because once you discover where your limits are, because that's one of the things you want, you want to know. Your oh, limits. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, 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 and again, like in, in, in our case, we have both discovered who we are and we took note and we audited and then we decided who we want to be and that gap is what got us to change and to grow. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's understand it's understanding that gap where you are versus where you want to be will give you the give you give triangulation, right? We have yeah, a GPS, exactly. right? We know where the GPS satellite knows where it's at. The GPS knows where it's at. It triangulates where you want to go and tells you how to get there. So that's what mm -hmm. it is. If you know where you're at, mm -hmm. who you are, where you want to be, you know exactly what needs to be done to ensure that you can get to mm -hmm. your destination. It all starts with being fearful. Stop being scared of finding out who you really are. You'll never yeah. find your true self if you're afraid of what you'll find. Fact of the yeah. matter is, we kind of yeah. all are. It's yeah. okay. Dig into it. Well, you, need, you can't change you if you be, don't. You need to be humiliated. You, that's the only way you're going to be motivated to change. All to right. go ahead and dis, the, the process, like you said, it, it's a journey, right? You're going to discover who you are. And, well, and when I say discover, again, you're going to uncover. That means you're going to have to brush aside all the herd stuff and actually look for your own authentic inner voice, okay, your own beliefs and values. But here's the thing. Like David said, once you discover who you are, you accept it, but you do not settle for that. No, because unless it already matches what you want to get. Yeah, right? well, yeah of course. They, uh, well, congratulations. Ding, yes. ding, ding, you win. However, okay, um, most of us want more than we have in life. It's it's a natural it's part of our genetics. We want to be more, do more, and have more. And once you once you audit it out where you are as a person, uh, you have to ask yourself the question: Is who I am going to give me what I really want in life? Right. Yeah. Right. You can't change if you don't know where to start, and you can't be afraid of it. Humiliation is your salvation. Right. And the quote I said I talked about earlier: Right, being lost is as important as being found. Yeah. Right. So you, we understand that we're going to be lost, that when we go into the murkiness of our inner self, we're going to understand that it's not going to be easy. I think about it, you know, when you, when you, you go into a, a river with a lot of sediment and you dive into it, you can't see the murkiness of it, yeah. and you can't really see anything of what's going on until you get really close to something until it's right, right in front of your face, <laughs> and then you begin to see it. So you Sometimes have to be okay. I can't even see it then. I need a little bit of pain to make me open my eyes. Right. So, yeah. so it's okay to swim around. It's okay to look closely at things and to understand mm -hmm. it. So that you can make those yeah, changes. Well, as long as you're remaining, remaining objective about it. Because while you're looking around, you don't want to just go ahead and say, okay, I like that. That's me. No, no. Be objective. You want to ex ex look at all your options. Not right. have limited options. And this is, and this is, and this is important. It kind of takes us to the first thing, Axe. It's a good uh -huh. segue. Is, you know, so what are some things you can do to find out who you really are, right? So the first, it starts with understanding and defining your core values and your beliefs. So much like a building, we all need a strong foundation on which to build. Our core, our, um, our core values are just that, a foundation on mm -hmm. which to build who we are. Well, right? So what kind of question do you ask to find out what your well, core values are? Well, there's are? a lot. There's a mm -hmm. lot of different questions that you can ask, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name a couple of them and then we can, we can dive into it. But okay. first one is like, when was the last time you took a stand? Uh, why did you take a stand? What about the time you wanted to speak up but you didn't? Mm -hmm. Who are your heroes? So asking these questions, and there are others, will kind of, but will kind of help you define what your beliefs are, what your core values are. So let's go back to that question, T. Okay. So when was the last time that you took a stand? Why, why did you take that stand? Okay, I'll tell you, you know, recently, I, I, there was an opportunity for me to take a stand. On, there was a big controversial uh, Supreme Court decision uh, that affects millions of lives, uh, both born and unborn. Um, and everybody in this country is, and other countries who's, who's, who's getting, the, getting into business that's not their own, everybody's decided that they're going to take a stand on this particular issue. And I have literally stood, taken the stand on both sides of the issue. Years ago, I took one stance, and then uh, in recent years, I took another stance. And I'm telling you now, this time, I took a stance. And the stance is, it's not any of my business. If you, I, my stance is you take whatever stance you want. I will have no stance. I am not going to play that game because one, it's not merely that I'm selfish because it's not going to affect me. The fact of the matter is I have no entrance, no interest in affecting or influencing you, the listener. 
that's going to be entirely up to you. So I took that stance. And why did I take that stance? Because I have the experience of standing on one side of the fence and the other. And I'm telling you, they're both the same kind of people and they're both blind as a bat, ignoring and not listening to one another. So I am standing on the middle ground. Don't ask me my opinion. I have none. Go with your own. <laughs> you know, sometimes people will say not taking a stand is taking a stand. Yes. So is. you're yeah. either going to get some hate mail for your comments mm -hmm. just then or some love mail. It's going to be interesting to see the message well, you, you get. If, you, if you're thinking of sending me hate mail, don't do it. Okay? Do I'm, it. Here's, here's why. Because whatever stance you take, I understand that stance. I don't agree or disagree with it. I'm giving you the freedom to be yourself. There you go. So I can think about a time that I did to be a little bit, a little bit differently. So I, I used to have a really bad habit of just taking the fall all the time, all the time really? for things. Oh, at work constantly. Uh -huh. Just one of those, just one of those things that I just did. I was one of those that would never, that would never say, "Hey, you screwed up," or "You screwed up." I would just kind of take it, right? Mm -hmm. And that was just, and that would just mean I'm, my, my boss would always tell me I had a hero complex and not to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought she was crazy, but the more I think about it, it's like, you know what? That's true. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking up a stand for myself and saying and pointing out, no, you know, maybe I had this part of it was, was my issue, but there was also this, this, and this. And as an end result, mm -hmm. I learned that it actually helped the team become better. Exactly. So I began to value, value what I, you know, I began to really, really value and believe how I could help other people by pointing out, I'm not the type of person that points to, hey, you messed up here, you messed up there, you messed up there. But it's important that the team understands what they did mm -hmm. wrong because if they don't understand it, they're never going to be able to correct what they did uh, to make part of whatever happened go sideways. So your um, uh, criticism is to add value to the person who needs to improve. Absolutely. Exactly. Right? So add values to other. And that's one of the things that really started me, the podcast and mentoring other people, is I want to add value to other people. I want to mm -hmm. help them out. And I'm not so squeamish about pointing out where things are wrong anymore, where maybe uh -huh. what maybe they might be doing wrong because I love to point out where I'm what mm -hmm. I'm doing wrong. I love other people to tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can fix it if it needs fixing. Yeah. It may, I make sure that mm -hmm. it's not just them being uncomfortable who they are. Yeah. Right? But mm -hmm. it is definitely something I like to I like to talk about. I love constructive criticism, but I've learned in life and there's a stance I take I don't take just criticism. Because some big people just want to complain. Yeah. You know, oh, exactly. that's true. Well, let me ask you this, Dave. Uh, what about a time you wanted to speak up but didn't? Wow. There are so many of those. <laughs> hey, I man, mean, brother. how many? I mean, what I just said was probably, it's probably an example, probably a better example of that too. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we have, we want to say something. Mm -hmm. We have something we want to say and we don't say it. Maybe because we're worried about what other people think we may, that we may All say. All the time. Right? All and so, the time. Um, I can, rem I can remember one time, and I think I've talked about this before, and again, we, we don't want to make this a, you know, a political episode, we don't want to make this a religious episode, but I am a Christian, and I remember one time my wife and I, for some reason, someone thought we were in leadership in the church, and mm -hmm. someone came up and asked, say, hey, you know, would you, would you mind praying for us? And so, I was like, oh, well, I, I, my thing was, I'm not just in leadership, and I remember sitting there, after I went and backed off, didn't pray for him, mm -hmm. pray for him, right? And I'm like, well, why didn't, why didn't I speak up? Right. Mm -hmm. Why didn't I talk to them about it? Uh, about because my my value, like I said, is to help people. Right? right. And I didn't. And I didn't speak up. And so now, whenever I see those opportunities to speak up, I'm reminded of that. And I speak up, whether it's at work, whether it is in the grocery store, and someone is like, you know, yelling at their spouse and abusing them. I will speak up. Uh -huh. I'm the type of person that I will say something. Right or wrong, people can say that's dumb to get in the middle of it, and maybe mm. you're right, but that's just me. I just learned to I just learned to speak up. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah. yourself? It's a tough one to answer. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, I actually have this problem a lot uh, because I I've been studying and practicing mindful meditation for a couple decades, and the one thing I've learned is one of my uh, faults was that I spoke up too much in situations that were none of my business. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I, I'd say I might have taken that a little bit too far when I stopped speaking my mind on things because I assumed that I was more spiritually superior by keeping my opinion to myself and, 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 and avoiding telling other people what to do with their life. But I tell you what that's done is I have some friends who would have benefited 
from my advice. I mean, I'm not a perfect person. I've got a lot of growing to do, and I've been doing a lot of growing for, a, for many years. Uh, but that does not change the fact that I have learned some incredibly valuable uh, instruction and lessons over the years. And it is my value now to pass that on to other people, but I have avoided doing it for friends and family. Uh, one, for fear, because people can be resentful. But at the same time, you know, what harm came out of me not giving them good advice? And over the past year, there are a few people who needed some really good advice from me, and I haven't given it to them. And I kind of feel bad about that, but I know I, I, they're part of a, their own particular herd, and that's kind of the herd's job to lead them because they're not going to want to go. I know if I give them advice, they're not going to want to follow it because that would make them compete, you know, violate the herd. Right. Yeah. And, so yeah that's my advice is always violate the herd. Lead the herd. <laughs> screw the herd. The herd sucks. Well, well, you know, so. not always. It just depends if the herd really is your identity. You just got to yeah. make sure that you're an individual in the herd. Yeah, now, now, if, now some hey, people hey, don't want to be individuals. Because we're the creating your best podcast herd. Uh, that's right. The now, two some, of us. Yeah, now, some, yeah, that's right. Right? We're a herd, man. Absolutely. All right. And I like this herd. <laughs> now, but now think of, think of sometimes, too, some herds you, you, that you're in, there are going to be some smart individuals in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but they are under the authority of the herd. So there's only so much intelligence they're going to show you. They're not going to show you much in the way, in the way of individuality. Valid, yeah. Individuality, that would defeat the purpose of the herd. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So... If you're in the herd, just just be an individual. Mm -hmm. If they cast you out, you know what? Mm -hmm. You're better off without them anyway. Well, so, let me, well, well, before we switch on, let me give you an example of a herd that I was in. Uh, let's call it the conservative herd, just for you know, not to offend conservatives or even perk the ears of the liberals. But uh, I've been in both the liberal and conservative herds, and in both cases, I've stood up and I've spoken out. And you know what exactly happens? You get immediately rejected by the herd. I like that now. I absolutely love it because I, w w when it comes to any herd, I will speak up. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant in some particular cases because you got to make your money, you got to run your business, so you have to, you do have to watch that. Right? Yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So we're ask we're, we're saying these questions to ask yourself these questions because mm -hmm. it, it helps you to understand what your core values are, what your beliefs are. So asking yourself when was the last time you took a stand. You got to ask yourself why you took the stand because that yeah. will help you point to the values that you share, which is or the part beliefs, of your identity, right? So right. these are your core values, and about the time that you didn't speak up but you wanted to, because that gnawing in the back of your mind that tells you to speak up, or, or is something that you believe in, is one of your core values. Which brings us to the third question. Okay, asking yourself who are your heroes? Oh. Who do you who do you look up to? That will help you understand your values even more. Mm -hmm. Now, part of the process of well, I, I got I don't have a solid identity for myself uh, in the present moment because I am mindful. I, I usually don't allow myself to lock onto anything because I always want to be wide open for what's occurring and what's coming to me, right? Uh, but one of the, the things I've learned is that if, if you, to get to the best person and create my best self, I do have to look outside myself, above and beyond myself to other influences in order to do that. So I've chosen characteristics and behaviors and habits from some of the best minds in history, uh, going all the way back to, to Marcus Aurelius centuries ago, who was an emperor of Rome. Uh, he's a, oh, you remember that movie um, uh, with Gladiator? Yes. With yes. Russell Crowe? Yep. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius was the leader, uh, the old guy in that movie. A very wise man. I've gotten influences and ideas from him. Uh, all throughout the centuries from some of the most famous people, even Shakespeare. Shakespeare is an influence for me. If, you, if you've never, if you've been forced to read Shakespeare in high school and you thought it was a chore, you should, as an adult, go back and read Shakespeare again. There is no amount of peak performance, personal development that you can find today that is not written in Shakespeare's works. He's another good influence. He's a hero of mine, uh, modern day hero. Uh, I'd say one of my modern-day heroes has been was um, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt is a hero of mine. I've read her work. I've read her quotes and sayings. That was one brave woman. Yeah, she oh. was amazing. Yeah, yeah abs abs absolutely. What about yourself? What are who are some of your heroes that help form your identity of as a person of who you are? Wow, that's there's, there's a lot. One, you know what? I'm gonna say my mother. Really? Yeah. You know. 
I've talked about it a couple times before. I grew up, I grew up poor. We grew up, um, it was tough growing up. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that my mom taught me is, is the value of working hard. She mm-hmm. always worked hard. My stepfather in and out of jail all the time, didn't work very often. There's a lot of stuff that was happening, but she always worked. Mm-hmm. She always, she always showed us how much she loved us. Uh, and she always had food on the table, even if it wasn't food that she was eating, but her three boys were. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that. Uh, and then even, and even you know what, even Mike Rowe, right? We know Mike uh-huh. Rowe, Dirty Jobs guy, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever listened to him speak. And I know sometimes when he gets the political side of it, not interested. But just the fact how, you know, he talks about the value of hard work, about really pushing, um, you know, these jobs that you don't really need to typically a college education for. Right. But these jobs that, that are there and that need to be done, but people are just too scared or don't want to put in the dirty work, right? Yeah. And so I really like listening to that type of stuff because it really helps me value. One of my values is hard work. I'm mm-hmm. a very I'm a very hard worker, and that's something that I value yeah. tremendously. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's something that's something that's really really important to me. Now I'll tell you, uh, your work is to me it's not so much hard as you are just absolutely focused, and you'll do it for long hours. Now some people might consider that hard work, but it makes more of a, a better person of you. It yeah, really I think does. So. You help more people, and you contribute more, contribute greater value because of it. Okay, yeah. talking about he makes you uncomfortable. So let's continue. <laughs> so, so you're once, awesome, brother. So once, <laughs> once you've defined your core value, you must be willing to allow yourself to grow, uh, to evolve, and to change. Now, once you understand your core values, beliefs, and what you stand for, it's time to build. Yeah. It's time to grow and become more of who you are, so that you can mold. Who you are to become. More of who you are. I like yes. that. Yeah. Right. So one thing that's important to understand is that your identity isn't fixed. Sometimes you may have to reinvent yourself to adapt to a new goal, you know, as you change or you go through new challenges. Uh, even your values will change, right? Most people think that they won't, but they do. They so do. So you need to be open about it. Yeah. But make sure that you do a thorough examination of your values and your beliefs before you do because you want to make sure they are your values and your beliefs yep. and not somebody else's worship, mm-hmm. the herd, right? Exactly. So unless, of course, your values do really align. If yeah. they align, then that's understandable, but you want to make sure that they are your values. So T, how have your values changed over time? Well, I have no choice but to change my values because, well, well, we both grew up hard, but I came out of an environment that was so bad, so bad. I, I mean, just violence, uh, uh, uh drugs, gangs. Uh, so when I, the first thing I did to escape was to join the military. So there I was at uh, 18 years old in boot camp with the values that I dragged from the hood. Um, and, I'm, and I'm standing there in front of my company commander and he's demanding certain things. Well, you know, the values I grew up with, uh, let me give you an example, uh, get something for nothing. That was a value that was put into me. Uh, if you want something, take it. If you can find a way to take it without getting caught, do so. Um, uh, don't work hard. And you know what your value is, right? Right. Well, I didn't grow up around anybody who was working hard. Now, I, have, I grew up around people who had lousy jobs, but that's not the same as working hard. Okay? Um, I took those values with me into the military and was immediately slapped down. So... You know, I had I had one choice. It was either to change my values or to get kicked out of the Navy. And when I found myself standing in front of the captain of the ship at captain's mast because of something stupid I'd done based on my values, I was so embarrassed that when I left there with under the threat of going being put into the brig and getting three uh, days bread and water, um, I took some time and I thought about it. And the first thing I did was grab a book. And in that book was exactly the kind of characteristics, values, and beliefs I needed to adopt for myself. And I started that very day on the USS Ranger out on the Indian Ocean back in the, in the mid-1980s I was. And I swore to myself, I would next time I stood in front of that captain, he was going to be pinning an award on me. And because I looked in that book, and the book was by uh, James Allen, um, uh, uh, as a man thinketh, that was a, that was the book. I, I adopted the values in that book, and within three months, I was standing in front of that captain again, 
getting Sailor of the Month, and him and him grinning from ear to ear. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important. I mean, I can think about how sometimes how my values have changed, and I talk about how I've always believed in hard work, and mm-hmm. um, and I looked growing up, I learned a lot about what not to do from my you know from my stepfather, right? Uh-huh. About the things I never was taught. This is what a man is, or this mm-hmm. is how you take care of your family. I learned about what I didn't have by looking at what other people had, and I was wanting that. So as I got older. Now, as I as I you know took on a wife and I started my own family, took on a wife. As I got married, <laughs> as I got married, and as I had children, you know my focus was continuing just take care of the family, get a job, work for them, you know put in long hours, make more money, you mm-hmm. know push, drive. I did this, but I really wasn't focusing on the other stuff that was important, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the relationship with my wife. While it was never horrible, it sometimes it just wasn't there, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that was because you weren't there, right? I wasn't there because yeah. I was I was working. I thought that was enough. I valued work. I paid for the house. I paid for the food. My kids didn't want for anything. It yeah. was great, but was it? Mm. So then I started changing values a little bit. I started focusing on my relationship with my wife, uh-huh. um, other relationships. I started focusing on my health. Um, mm-hmm. I started focusing on my spirituality. My wife and I started going back to church and mm-hmm. um, getting involved and getting connected. And, um, and and of course, spirituality isn't just religion. It's about being connected to the wider world. Exactly. And here in the last couple of months or so, last year or so, my wife and I have become more even connected to our surroundings, which I think um, has really helped my spirituality even more, my non-religious part of the spirituality. So my values really, you know, really have changed, which I think is important. It takes me to the next thing is, is maybe that it's not your values that change, but maybe it's a change in the environment that you need and not mm-hmm. a change in self. So if you can't bring your values into alignment with your environment, then bring your environment into alignment with your values. Dude, that is so absolutely profound. I wish I could communicate to people how important that principle is. Because one of the ways I was a- that, that I was able to, to successfully change my values and align them in a way that, that automatically moved me forward uh, uh, towards success in, in anything I'm doing uh, was I looked at the best examples around me and I, I asked myself, what is that guy doing that I'm not doing? And I looked, I'm, I'm going to do that. And one of the things was they were working hard. Right. And I, and I did not have that value. Yeah. And that was one of the first things I did was instead of running off to the bar to get drunk every night as a sailor, uh, I stayed on the boat and did studying and reading up and learning how to use a computer. And when, when, that, when, the, when that full bird uh, captain would be there until 8 o'clock at night, I was sitting right next to him typing. And it, it, again, it, it's, it's so important. And that was just a change of environment. So instead of being at the bar getting drunk, I was there in the action. And, and soaking everything in mm. osmosis. Yeah. So remember the very beginning, I said that there's two there's two main statuses when it comes to you know identity. There's exploration and commitment. Uh-huh. And you talked about the importance of mindfulness. How, but mindfulness is all about exploring your identity. Yeah. It's not necessarily committing to identity. Yeah. And being mindful can sometimes lead you to not really define who you are. So it what can. you were talking about just yeah. now mm-hmm. was. Um, really making a commitment yeah. to making the change, which is an important part of, of, of self-awareness and why self-awareness is, is key, right? Yeah. So being, being self-aware mm-hmm. is absolutely key. So once you've defined your core values, have come to terms with the idea uh, that your values and beliefs may change over time mm-hmm. and that all you need to do is maybe change your environment, it's time to overcome your limit, limited thinking patterns, right? Yeah. So a major disconnect can happen and this is something that's going to be is going to be really important, right? To understand that a major disconnect can happen if you change and grow, but your self image stays the same. Oh, that could be bad. Oh yeah, yeah. So this, so this an example of this is imposter syndrome, right? So this happens, <laughs> which we both suffer. Yes, this happens <laughs> when there is a rift between who you are and mm-hmm. who you think you are. So mm-hmm. a rift between who you are and who you think you are is where imposter syndrome comes from. So mm-hmm. I, I went through this too. So I have been doing digital marketing now for 17 years. I've been mm-hmm. doing it for a very long time. And you know what? I'm I'm pretty darn good at it, right? <laughs> pretty darn and good. So, yeah. um, and a rose is kind of red. <laughs> so, you know, and I think as 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 I as I as I did it more and more, I'm self-taught. I did not attend college. I don't have any college degree. Um, I have a I'm a high school graduate. That doesn't mean that I didn't have higher education. I have taught myself. I've done a lot of reading. I've attended a lot of lectures and mm-hmm. courses. But I think in my career, when I started seeing that now there's people going to college, 
mm-hmm. right? They're having these, you know, master's degrees and they're going to these Ivy Leagues and they're going mm-hmm. to all of these colleges and then I'm working with them and I started feeling, do I, am I, should I be here? Am mm-hmm. I, am I good enough to be here? But then over time, so realizing that they're coming to me asking me questions because they didn't learn what they were supposed to learn in college, I guess, right? Uh-huh. Um, college is important. I'm not, Absolutely. not talking against it. That just wasn't the path that I took. So I had this problem with, um, you know, I had this, I had this issue with imposter syndrome. So what I did is I really started working on my self image. Mm-hmm. I saw my self worth, my, you know, I really started taking a look at who I am and yeah. started changing and started changing that. Right. And mm-hmm. so that, that's exactly, that's exactly what I did. Uh-huh. I started changing my thought patterns on the inside so that I can close that gap between who I am mm-hmm. and who I think I am. Well, let me I had ask to you, elevate myself. Let me ask you a question. Um, give me an example of a couple of, of the kinds of habits and things you did in order to change your thought patterns. What did you do? Was it affirmations? Was it reading certain books? Was it prayer? I mean, what did you do? Writing. Uh-huh. So I talked about it before. I started journaling. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, um, I know somebody who's been journaling since they were, you know, since they were in um, uh, a teenager. Right. And so, and they're in their mid forties now and they journal every single day so they can go and pick a book off and look at any single day in mm-hmm. their past and know exactly what they were going on. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I wish I'd have done that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, right? Uh, and this person even gives their, when they're, so when they're 18, they have their 18 year old book, for an example, when their child turns 18, they give them book and let yeah. them just read it. So let them know that they know their dad a little bit more. And it, I think that's just, that's just amazing. Yeah. But anyway, so I started journaling. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I got these journals that really helped, had prompts in it. And I was filling out every single day. But then it just felt like, man, I'm just kind of going through the motions. It had what you're, what you're grateful for. You know, what are mm-hmm. things you're going to work on today? And ask a couple <laughs> of questions. And I thought, you know what? This just isn't enough. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was, I used to blog before. I used to blog about marketing a lot at uh, persuasiveconcepts.com. Oh, I remember that. Right? Yeah. So I, I switched it. I found davidnjohnson.com. And mm-hmm. so I started blogging. I just started thinking about some things um, during my commute from, from you know, uh, Western New Jersey to New York City. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had like five hours of commute time a day between my morning and evening. And I just explored myself. I explored, okay, what are my hangups? What do I need to work on? Right. And I started just researching. I started writing my thoughts. I started writing out affirmations and just putting them on the blog of the same things yeah. that I'm working at, work mm-hmm. on. So now I can go back and read those and know and remember mm-hmm. what I was thinking about at that time. Yeah. Just kind of laugh about it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now all um, those ideas, yeah, but all the ideas you gathered um, in your studies and your in your effort to to actually get down those concepts, they're all planted in your subconscious mind now. They're wired in. They are who you are. They're in your expression. Absolutely. They're in your action. And that's the way, that's how you make that change. That's how you even install an identity. Absolutely. By taking, the, by taking those aligned, the thoughts and ideas and values and beliefs that align with you and condition yourself with them. You know, especially if your current behavior patterns because of your, because of your previous influence doesn't match up with who you really want to be. Because we, once we discover who we are, uh, it may cause some discomfort because it's not really truly who we know we can be. Or uh, absolutely. Be. Yeah. absolutely. And in that case, like in, in, with you, I, I, I was in a similar boat that when I needed to change my thoughts, the first thing I did was start journaling. Um, it eventually got to the point where I had so many journals for months and months and months, I would look back and I'd just start laughing. Because the entire time I'm journaling, I'm also growing. And, and, the, and the more I journal, the further back I look, I'm like, man, I knew nothing. I knew nothing at all. And that teaches you that your, your identity is not fixed. It, it grows and it evolves. And it can be whatever you want it to be. Absolutely. If you're willing to, to take, let's say you, um, we talked about this a few shows ago. Um, let's say there's a chasm between who you are now and who you want to become, who you've placed in your mind. Um, that chasm is bridged by values, beliefs, habits, and behaviors. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. And, right. want, and this is on. why it's important mm-hmm. to continue, continue to evaluate who you are mm-hmm. so that your self-image continues to grow. And mm-hmm. in a nutshell, this is kind of what we, we talk about here on the mm-hmm. Credit Your Best Self podcast, right? Yeah. It's about, it's about that difference between who you are and who you want to be, those values, those beliefs, the stuff, the habits, the mindsets that you were exactly. just talking about, right? Yeah. And this is along the same line. This is why it's important to challenge your self-image. So if our self-image isn't conducive to the success we want, then we must take a close look at how we feel about ourselves. If you want to change how you see life and how you live life in the flow, then work on how you see yourself. 
uh, work on your self-image so that you can be more naturally you. When your performance and self-image are equal, then you start to live in the zone. Yeah. That's when the zone happens, when you're in agreement, when your performance and your self-image, how you see yourself, is the same. So you want to make sure that as your performance gets more and more, as you get closer and closer to your, your success, is you need to challenge your self-image so that yeah. you don't come into that imposter syndrome, so that you can be in the flow, so that you can be in the zone, right? Yeah. So we all live in this comfort zone. We are comfortable with this bubble that's around us. And the more you Speak go outside- for yourself, because I haven't been in a comfort zone in what, two months? <laughs> you just live in an uncomfortable yeah, zone, right? Right? <laughs> right? So as you expand your comfort zone, the more you're willing to, the more you're able to grow. You need to go outside yeah. what you're comfortable with. Because if you're uncomfortable with, you know, three feet outside yourself to kind of give you a mm. visualization, what happens if you're then comfortable four feet outside yourself, five yeah. feet, ten feet? You give That's yourself who you room really to grow. Are. That's yes. who you really are. Is way on yeah. the outside of the comfort right. zone. Right. So, yeah. so this is how you balance your identity with an open mind. You got to yeah. be open about your identity, and you need to balance it. Now, some people, you know, say, "Well, being open-minded is weak. You got to be stringent on what you feel <laughs> and what you believe." I totally disagree with that. Mm-hmm. You need to be open. You need to understand where other people are coming from. Because even if somebody disagrees with you, uh-huh. right, and we all disagree, they want the same thing. They exactly. want autonomy. They yep. want to be comfortable. Yep. They want safety. They want to be taken care of. We yep. all want the same thing. Yep. We just go about it differently. So understanding mm-hmm. where somebody else is coming from will help you to understand and balance your own identity with yeah. who you are becoming. Yeah, they're just trying to fulfill their basic human needs hierarchy. You know? Absolutely, and they're and they're trying and they're they're struggling, looking around just like you are. They grab onto a herd, they grab onto a political or philosophical ideology, right? And they just want somebody to go along with them to keep from being lonely. You know, now your your responsibility as somebody who's trying to create your best self is to not get caught up and and thrown off track. You know, yeah, absolutely. So I know we talked about a lot in this episode. Uh, it went longer than some other episodes because both of us are really passionate about this, and both mm-hmm. of us are continually defining our own identity. Because it is a lifelong process. You have yep. to change your identity or you have to, you know, you have to change how you think about yourself, your own self-worth as you grow. And so it mm-hmm. takes a lot of a lot of thought. So um, so we're glad that you glad that you tuned in. Thank you for tuning in to today's episodes. We appreciate your time and we're eternally grateful for you spending it with us. We know you had a choice to do something else today. Um, and we appreciate the sacrifice of listening to this. Be sure to tune into our next episode where we will add immense value to your personal development by discussing how to leverage the power of thought for faster, easier personal progress. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing, sharing, favoriting, or all the above. You can find us on most podcast platforms now, so be sure to look out for the Creating Your Best Self podcast. And as always, keep living your best life. Keep pushing and never, ever Give up on your dreams. We'll see you in the next episode.